0: we're going to start a new series tonight so the jones family is going to have to stay uh for a couple of months until we finish uh, so just letting you know that tonight but turn with me if you would take your bible uh turn to psalm 107 psalm 107 don't worry brother robert it's not the same message brother cusick preached at whispering pines here just a couple weeks ago but uh, psalm 107 and we're going to pray And we'll get started this evening. Father, certainly we are thankful uh, to have the privilege to gather here this evening. Thank you for each and every one who's come out. Lord, our hearts go out to the ones unable to be with us tonight. You know that there are many in the hospital, uh, some at home uh, recovering and, and recuperating. And we know others that are just uh, having different struggles. I pray, Lord, that you'd work as only you can in each one of our hearts and lives. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we look in your word. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us. I pray that you'd give us uh, wisdom, strength, and discernment as we uh, go now uh, to your word and, and uh, look to be guided by your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you again for the privilege that we have uh, to know you, thank you for who you are, for all you 've done. Pray that you bless now in our time ahead in jesus name amen, amen. well there 's no doubt unnecessary pause there 's no doubt uh, that we live in days of darkness now i 'm not just talking about sunlight. I know we turned our clocks back and now it gets dark at noon, but uh, we live. <laughs> We live in dark days. No matter where you look, it seems there's no pause. It seems there's no uh, time out. There's no let up in this matter of chaos and crisis, crime, carelessness. It, it's, it's everywhere around us. But don't let that blind you to the light of Christ that's within us. And He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. you remember Jesus is the light of the world. And if we lose sight of his light, if we ourselves lose sight of his light, how can we then effectively offer his light to others? That's what I want you to consider tonight. You know, we sing a chorus, it has these words, and I'm not going to sing it tonight, but I'll give you the words. I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. I just keep trusting my Lord and he gives a song. Though the storm clouds darken the sky or the heavenly trail, I just keep trusting my Lord. He will never fail. He's a faithful friend, such a faithful friend. I can count on him to the very end. Though the storm clouds darken the sky or the heavenly trail, I just keep trusting my Lord. He will never fail. So might I ask you tonight, what have you cast upon the Lord and what are you still clinging to? Are you clinging to your troubles and your burdens and your doubts and your fears and your cares? Maybe even your failures. Grab your hymn book if you would. I want you to turn to number 341. Don't worry, we're not going to sing. I just want you to see something. Number 341. You might know this by its alternate name, the Baptist National Anthem. More than likely, you'd say, Well, preacher, why in the world you make me turn to 341? I, I know this. So I want you to look uh, with me here. I, I want you to look at verse number 2. I heard about His healing, of His cleansing power revealing, how He made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. Now watch this line. And then I cried, Dear Jesus, Come and heal my broken spirit. Do you see those words? My broken spirit. Tonight we're going to start a new study on this subject. From victim to victor. From victim to victor. That's the series title. And it goes on. Don't don't close your hymn book because the verse goes on. Come and heal my broken spirit. Now, now watch what it says. And... Somehow, can I, can I stop and say your somehow depends on a someone, not just anyone, but a specific one. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. You could look at verse two, you'd see there it says, I heard And then I cried. Heard about what? His healing. Heard about His cleansing power. Psalm 107. Look with me. We'll start reading in verse number 23 this evening. Psalm 107, verse number 23. The Bible says, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble And He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people, and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. Verse 26 ends... Now with the phrase, their soul is melted because of trouble. Well, that's certainly a broken spirit, wouldn't you say? Verse 27 says that they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. Charles Spurgeon said this, The violent motion of the vessel prevents their keeping their legs and their fears drive them out of all power to use their brains. (laughs) Do <laughs> you think about that? He says like, you just, everything is so topsy-turvy and you can't keep your feet underneath you and you can't think straight because you're trying to stay standing. Think about that. Almost like one who's lame and can't walk no matter how hard they try. Verse 27 ends with the phrase, at their wits end you just thought that was a phrase that somebody made up, right? You never noticed that was in there before. But there it is. At their wits. And you have made me. So, I'm about at my wits. End. Maybe that's just me. So tonight I want to preach a message with this title. The Edge. The Edge. Spurgeon went on to say, What more can they do? They have used every expedient known to navigation, but the ship is so strained and beaten about that they know not how to keep her afloat at their wit's end against something bigger than them, pushed to the edge with no end in sight. Have you ever been there? What happened next? Look at, look at Psalm 107, verse 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. Now, I'm telling you, that sounds familiar. And then I cried, Dear Jesus, Come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. At which end? I tell you tonight, when you get to that point in your life, you are either going to entirely turn to God and break free or you're going to end up broken when you're in that place at your wits end, when you're at the edge. At the edge, we'll be defeated if we don't remember God's promises. You know, the ones like God never changes and God is always working and God minds the details. Here's a little two word promise. God can. God can. You know, we sing that song, God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. God can. We may find ourselves at our wits' end, but God is never at His. The edge is where you're going to be forced to choose. Run to God or keep running from Him. The edge is not a popular place and I tell you tonight, it's a profitable place. Wits end is where we're reminded to let God have control where we remember that with God all things are possible, where we rest in the sufficiency of Christ, where we release our hands in surrender, letting go of the problem to leave it in God's hand. The wit's end is where we find relief in the fact that nothing's bigger than God. And when we're at the edge, we'll either let go and let God or we'll falter and fail. Now, many choose to despise the edge. But let me give you some reasons tonight that you and I ought to delight when we find ourselves at the edge. Number one, three things for you tonight. Number one is this. At the edge, we learn weakness is unreasonable. We learn weakness is unreasonable. you don't have to stay with me for a moment on that. In our dark times... In our depressing times, in our discouraging times, we find ourselves weak and we unreasonably shift our focus to the wrong things. You think about the last time when you had a problem, the last time when you had a trial, the last time when your heart was distressed and you find yourself focusing on a wrong thing. Why? Why? Because of weakness. See, if you could fix it, you would have fixed it and moved on. But now you're in that place where you're weak and you're looking around and all of these things start piling up and all of a sudden your thoughts become unreasonable. You spend your time wondering about why we can't do and worrying about what we can't do and whining about how we can't do and instead of just admitting our weakness and our inability, we start accusing God of wrongdoing. Instead of saying, I can't, but God can. That's a good thing to say, by the way. Instead of saying, I can't, But God can. We start believing I can't, so God can't either. If I can't, nobody can. I'm telling you, weakness is unreasonable. The doubts, the fears, the lies begin to rise in our minds. We'll say we can't see God, so He must be gone. We can't see hope, so it must be gone. We can't see help, so it must be gone. We can't see a solution, so there must not be one. All of a sudden, we we're at the edge. We're at there at our wit's end, and we start thinking that's it. This is the end. It's over. In fact, the unreasonableness of your weakness will work to lead you to walk away from God in sorrow instead of waiting upon Him for strength. Yeah. You hear that tonight because it will work the same in your heart and my heart and the heart of every man and woman, boy and girl. The unreasonableness of your weakness will work in your heart and mind. To lead you to walk away from God in sorrow instead of simply waiting upon Him for strength. How often we see this happen. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it's terrible. And friends, might I remind you, yes, the things in your life when you're at the edge might look grim, but God is not gone. Look at Psalm 107 in verse number 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Look at verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works. To the children of men. Hey, God is good. God's mercy endures forever. But at the edge of wits end, we often think that God has ceased to be good and that his mercies run out. And I'm here to say, no friend, no, not just no, but never. Our weakness neither determines nor negates God's strength. I'm here to tell you tonight, the devil wants to convince you that God is good to others, but not you. You chew on that one for a moment. The devil wants you uh, uh, to think that God helps others, but not you. That God brought victory before, not this time. Unreasonable. The devil wants you to believe that God's been good in the past, but he can't be anymore. That the circumstances have changed, so God must have changed. That God must have lost control. And let let me just tell you tonight, in case you forgot, the devil is a dirty, stinking, rotten liar. God never changes. He's good all the time and at all times. Whether you're at the edge or not, God's still good. You're at the edge. He's actively working in your life and in mine in spite of our weakness. Now friend, tonight you might not see it and you might not want to believe it, but it's a truth that you cannot afford to let go of. God is still God. God is still good. The edge cannot erase the eternal goodness, enduring mercy, and effectual strength of God, but the edge can remind us that in the depths of our pitiful weakness, God remains perfectly strong. At the edge, we learn weakness is unreasonable. Now let me help you with this. Not a single one of us in here tonight is not weak. Not a single one of us. We're all weak. Oh, preacher, not me. Can you save yourself? Can you keep yourself saved? Let me help you, friend. It's better to humble yourself and see your weakness. Why? Because then you'll rely on His strength. What did God tell the Apostle Paul? My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect, complete in weakness. Not God's weakness, ours. And we are constantly, perpetually weak. And when you'll realize that fact that we struggle and suffer with this matter of weakness, it will lead us to run to Him, not from Him. At the edge, we learn Weakness is unreasonable, but number two, at the edge we learn that struggles are unavoidable. I'm sorry to break that news to you tonight. There are some fellas, you, you go home and turn on the TV, you could send them money, plant, sow your seed of faith. As Brother Gary said in Youth Rally, cuckoo, cuckoo, anyway. And they'll tell you that you can come to this place, you know, if you're right with God, you'll never have another struggle, you'll never have another trouble, you'll never have another trial. Well, Jesus must have been a liar then because He said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. But what did He say? But be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. Hey, in this world, and at the edge especially, we learn struggles are unavoidable. If you were to take the time and read all of Psalm 107, you'll find that there are four scenarios given about the struggles of life. In each one, there is a tremendous difficulty. In each one, there is an unmistakable weakness. In each one, there is, hear this now, a real struggle. But this fourth struggle, this is the last one uh, of the four here in Psalm 107. This last one that we see in verses 23 to 32 is so miserable, the people's hearts are melting at their wits' end, the verse says, driven to the edge, feeling that there's nothing left but death that will be soon and sudden and swift. Now I want you to notice something. Look with me at verse 23. Verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. That's what the verse says. I didn't leave any words out of that verse. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. Can I ask you a question? Where do ships do business? In in the water. Where do big ships do business? In the big water. It doesn't say that they went to the desert in ships to do business. There's a reason that I say that. And I know that's silly tonight. But when we read about this storm that rises up, The storm didn't come as a result of any personal sin, but simply as a part of life in this sin-cursed world. See, these are people in the everyday business of life. They're where they're supposed to be. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. It doesn't say they're resisting God. It doesn't say they're rebelling against God. It doesn't say that they're running from God. They're just living their life. Yet they still ran into trouble. That eventually took them to the edge. That that ought to help somebody tonight. Well, preacher, I, I've been reading my Bible and I've been praying and I've been witnessing to folks and I, I I've been living my life for the Lord and and I, I've just been happy in the Lord and a song in my heart and I went to the doctor and he gave me a terrible report. God must hate me. No, struggles are a part of life. You see, yeah, but I don't like them. I don't either. We spent a whole lot of time looking at that. I want you to know God allows the storms for your education, not your elimination. You say, well, then how does God work to teach us to trust Him? If, if, if the struggles now are for our education, how, how does God teach us? Well, think about this storm, and think about the storms in your life. He allows the storm to reveal your weakness, and as the storm builds, you learn to willingly cry out, enough, God, I can't handle this anymore. This is more than I can bear. I need you, God, because I can't do this on my own. Look at verse 27 again. It says, At their wit's end, then. Now it's very important that you see that. At their wit's end. They came to their wit's end, then. They cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out. Here's a sobering question for you and for me tonight. If we have the privilege to run to the Lord for help, The moment trouble arises. Why do we wait until we're driven to the depths of despair to start asking? If you'll go back and you'll read what we just read, it says that uh, they they go up to the heights and they go down to the depths. And they go up to the heights and they go down to the depths. And you can think of it kind of like a roller coaster. And as that wave swells underneath that ship, it climbs to the top. It's not just a here, 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 here. It's a rise, it's a fall. It's a rise, it's a fall. It's a rise, it's a fall. And there is a noticeable change in direction. So if you're up there at that height and all of a sudden everything starts to tip over... If you ever watched anybody ride... I don't ride them, so I haven't done this, but I watched a bunch of people do this. And in fact, I saw like the highest roller coaster in the world. And if you look that up on on YouTube, it is crazy. They built it off the side of a mountain, and it goes way up in the air. And when it comes over the top, it turns. And it's like 1,000-something feet to the bottom of this thing. And I'm like, no! A roller coaster to me are the speed bumps in the parking lot at the mall. That's enough. Up, down, gentle, up, down. But you think about these roller coasters. They climb, climb, tick, 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 tick. And there's this anticipation of going to the top, I'm going to the top, I'm going to the top. And you know as well as I know tonight that in our Christian life, when we're headed up to the mountaintop because of our negativity, because of our pessimism, wait a minute, because of our realism, we'll just say, well, it's not going to last forever. There's going to be another side of that mountain. No, tick, 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 tick. And they go up that hill. They get up to the top. And all about the same time, as everyone's eyes crest the top, they all start screaming in about the same location. And that's usually where they decide to put the camera to take the picture of you that you can buy later. (laughs) And these people, and they'll come over and they scream all the way down. But they know when that changes all of a sudden we're 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 not going up anymore and we're not staying up here anymore we're on the way down and yet as christians we often we see that and we're like well we're going to come out of it soon enough we'll just wait and see how bad it gets we got this it's all good and all of a sudden we get lower than we'd ever thought we'd get we're like i never expected to be here why didn't we start calling on god when we noticed the change in direction. Uh, it's been a few years. It's been quite a few years. It was on a Thanksgiving break and uh, I ended up having to work and the work that I had to do had to be done overnight uh, because they didn't want anybody to be logged into the system. So I had this computer work that I had to do and I had all of these uh uh machines that I had to update the software on and it was a huge upgrade. Everything had to go in its order and uh and, and so Brother Matt will relate with me on this. So I'm I'm sitting I, I went upstairs. We had an extra room uh in our upstairs, kinda over the garage. Uh some people call that the bonus room or whatever. And it had its own uh air conditioning and furnace and separate from the rest of the house. And it was, you know, cool and I went up there and everything was good. And Oh, about 9.30 at night, I got working. And I'm uh, working on, oh, I don't know, probably about 35 machines. I got all these little windows open on my monitor. And I've remoted into all of these and I'm working, 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 working. And all of a sudden, I feel this breeze and I'm working, working, working. And I don't want to stop and just keep working. I'm like, I am. all of a sudden, it got hard to type. And I was like, why are my fingers so stiff. And then I realized I can't feel my feet. (laughs) And then I turned and out of the air vent was just blowing like outside air. And I was like, well, the furnace should be on. So I got up and I went over and I looked and it said heat. And I said, liar. (laughs) It's two o'clock in the morning and, you know, it's just as cold. So I just shut the thing off and You know, through a blanket, I was just so engrossed in that work that I didn't stop to notice that everything had changed. And I'm telling you, if we'll slow down in our lives and just take our time and walk with God and be sensitive to when the, when the conditions change, when the environment change, uh, changes, then often we can mm, go to God and realize the weakness long before we plunge to the depths. At the edge, we learn struggles are unavoidable. At the edge, we learn struggles... I said that one. Weakness is unreasonable. Struggles are unavoidable. Let me give you number three. You said, Preacher, this this really isn't helping me tonight. Okay, number three. At the edge, we learn victory is undeniable. At the edge, we learn victory is undeniable. Look with me again. Psalm 107, verse 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Look what it says. And He bringeth them out of their distresses. Verse 29. He maketh the storm a calm. Verse 30. He bringeth them unto their desired haven. At the edge, when you're at your wit's end, when you can't, He can. And when He does, there's no denying that it was only done by Him. Well, preacher, I don't understand why God would let me go through this. So that you'll have the opportunity to sing to God be the glory, great things. He have to Oh, look, I'm just like you. I-, I don't like to go through the struggles of life. I, I don't like uh, to, to not have victory in my life. I don't like to be in that place where I'm at my wit's end. But when I'm there, I have to remember, when I can't, He can. When we learn to look to God and lean on God, we'll find in Him more than we could ever imagine look with me at the end verse of psalm 107 verse 43 whoso is wise and will observe these things even they shall understand the loving kindness of the lord you say but but preacher i still don't understand why why does God let me get to my wits end why does God, make me go all the way to the edge. God lets you get to the edge so that you'll let go of everything else and cling to Him. God lets you come to the edge so that you'll let go of everything else and cling to Him. There were times in my life where I trusted in things outside of God that I had no business trusting in. They weren't sufficient to carry me through. The only way that I was going to learn that God was enough was for God to remove those from my life. You say, that was fun, right? No. You know it. You might have been there. You might be there right now. The best thing that you can do with your life just let go of everything else you're hanging on to and cling to God. I find victory at the edge by turning to God and trusting Him. I help others find victory at the edge by teaching them to rely upon God and to rest in Him. Yes, struggles are real. And yes, struggles are hard. But why wait until you reach the edge to turn to God, to talk to God, and to trust God? Why does it seem that we always have to get the edge. Now, before you get mad at me tonight, I understand how this life works. Some, I understand sometimes you have no control of being pushed to that edge. Sometimes it's just bang, there it is. But when you find yourself pushed to wit's end, would you ask God to pull you back? From the edge, verse 28 says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. If you would, allow me to point you back to the Lord and remind you to praise Him because He's worthy. Trust Him. Because He's able. Rest in Him. Because He's working. Verse 31, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of Of men. And then I cried. Dear Jesus. Come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow. Jesus came and brought. To me. The victory. The edge does not have to be the end. If you'll just exercise your faith. In the Lord. And you'll find yourself well on your way. To moving from victim. To victor. Because there's victory in Jesus.